Well, welcome. Um, I hope you've gotten up and at least brushed your teeth this morning. Um, but, you know, I really prayed and asked God what he would have us to, to share today. And if this is maybe your first time joining us here at Chestnut Mountain Church for worship, or maybe you've been with us um, through this last season, last month and a half, as we've been diving in um, to the book of First and Second Peter, it's unbelievable what God left and, and how God orchestrated where we were gonna be at today in light of our soap journal reading. And you may be saying, what is a soap journal? It is just a method that we've been using for our church family to read along together um, as we grow in, in God's word together. But this is actually our first Sunday that we're gonna be looking into the book of Second Peter. Um, we've just closed out the book of First Peter and and I can honestly say that First Peter was very convicting for myself. It was very convicting for our church family, but because what Peter addressed was the sinful life of believers, of these new believers and how Peter is saying, look, you've got a lost world watching. And so we ended last week and, and, and we, we, we closed out that book, but I hope we left with a better knowledge of knowing what we as the church should look like, what we as the church should be acting like, and in the midst of persecution and struggles and trials, uh, we have a lost world watching. And you know, I think um, as I got up yesterday morning and, and our team and our staff have, have begun praying of, of what today was going to look like. If you've been following us on social media, you've seen that it's changed several times and we've tried to apologize for that. But as I got up yesterday morning and I was seeking the Lord, I was reminded I had told two of our staff members that, hey, you know what, we'll watch the news Friday, we'll watch the news on Saturday, and, and then we'll make our final call on Saturday morning so that our church family will know what our plans are. And so I was up reading on Saturday morning and, and I turned the news on. And it's almost like the Spirit of God just said, you know what you're gonna see on the news. How about you turn to the news that never changes how about you open this living word that I have given you and I'm pretty clear that I can still give you the instruction that you need to know. And so for us as a church family, my job was to submit to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in me. What God was teaching me and showing me what was the specific direction for our church over this next little season that we're gonna journey through together. But he, he showed me a passage that we're gonna look at today. We're not gonna spend time on this one right now. But it says in, in, in first, or Second Peter chapter one, verse three, it says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And what the Spirit of God said, you know what, Brian, you don't need the news for direction. You don't need the news to find out what you need to do today. What you need to do is call on me and I'll give you that direction. And he very quickly took me back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, where Peter specifically tells believers, because remember, a, a, a lost world is watching. Peter challenges the church to submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority. So that is the reason that we are coming to you the way we are today, because by the conviction and the direction that the Spirit of God led me, this is what he wanted church to look like today. Don't know why, but it is what it is, and we're gonna be obedient with what God has called us to do as a church here at Chestnut Mountain. 
And so what I want us to do this morning is if you've got your Bible, which I hope you do, um, I want you to flip to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, and we're gonna just be in chapter one this morning, but I want you to know that this book alone looks a lot different. This book looks a lot different because what we read about midway through chapter one is that, that Peter is, is closing in on the end of, of his physical life. His life is winding down and we read that. I'm not gonna read all of it just for the sake of time this morning um, because I know you've all got somewhere to go. I'm just kidding because you're not really going anywhere because you're at home. But in verses 12 through 15, you can read that later. But what I love is how verse 15, Peter informs them of the importance of the last words that he's gonna share with them. In verse 15 of chapter one, and it said, I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. And what we're gonna do today is talk about what these things are. We're gonna talk about what these things are. What is he talking about that he wants our minds to be able to recall? And you know, this is what's interesting about Peter. It's, in this letter, Peter could have talked about anything that he wanted to talk about. But what he felt so burdened what he felt so led to leave them with was the importance of knowing God. The purpose of having knowledge of God and having that relationship with God. You know, I think if, if we wanted to just sort of put ourselves in Peter's shoes right now, if we were told that we had 24 hours to live and we had to write one more letter, or we had to send one more text message, or we had to make one more phone call, what would it sound like? What would we do? And what I, what I was led to believe by my own conviction is I would call everybody that I know. I would send text messages to everybody that I know so that they would know that I love them. So that they would know that I love them. But then also would we would we gather a lot of things that maybe are our possessions? And would we begin to disperse those to certain people and we wanna give them gifts so ultimately they will remember us? Is, would that be the purpose behind it? And I think if we all got honest this morning and we were really willing enough to admit our flesh, we would say that would be a lot of our responses, that we would want everybody to take something in the next 24 hours so that they would remember who we are, but not Peter, not Peter. In so many words, what we're gonna look at today is Peter basically says, I don't care if you remember me or not. My importance, my job is not that you remember me, but my job is, is to make sure you know the importance of knowing God and knowing the relationship that he has provided for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so let's begin to look at those things that he challenged the church that he wanted them to remember if he was gone. Look at verses two and three, and this is where we'll start this morning from the reading of God's word. Verse two, it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us 
by his own glory and by his excellence. And so we see already, just in two verses alone, we see that Peter has already used the statement, the knowledge of God. If you read the entire book of 2 Peter, what we'll find is that he will use this phrase or something very similar 11 more times, that he's gonna talk about the importance and the knowledge of knowing God. So we see that he is painting the picture here that the urgency that he wants to leave behind him is to point the world, either lost, saved, to the knowledge of God. That's what it's all about. That is what he is being called to leave behind. He doesn't care if they remember him, but what he wants them to remember is who God is and what God's about. And so, um, you know, to kind of, not that we're gonna really steer away from the scripture, but I'll just share with you how the Lord convicted me and how God revealed to me. And, and I kind of wanna come to you this morning as, as a mom and a dad. Maybe you're sitting in your living room or you're at the kitchen table or you're at the kitchen counter or maybe the whole family is piled in the bed together. I don't know where you're at, but I wanna talk to you moms and dads because the reason I wanna talk to you is because I just wanna see if you can relate to where I'm at. I wanna see if you can relate to where I'm at because the thing that the Spirit of God convicted me of in, in studying this week was if God called me home to be with him tomorrow. And this physical life was over here on earth as we know it for me. And maybe you as a church family, maybe whoever you are in your relationship to my children, my kids, the four kids that I have, if you went to them and you asked them, hey Brock, hey Andy, hey Cooper, hey Deacon, what did your dad leave you? What did your dad leave behind for you? And so I begin to kind of go through all of the scenarios. You know, and I know moms and dads, you may be even a little bit uncomfortable right now because your kid may be sitting right beside you on either side and you're going, oh no. If I ask my kid right now, what would they remember of me if God called me home tomorrow? What am I leaving behind? And you know, and I, I could hear the answers from some of my children. You know, I could hear the answers coming from them, you know, Daddy taught me how to shoot a jump shot. You know, Daddy taught me how to shoot a bow. Right, Brock? Daddy taught me how to fix things. Daddy taught me how to be nice to people. Daddy taught me how to be generous. But something that the Spirit of God convicted me of is hear me when I say this, all those things are great. Those things should never stop. Those are all of the things that we as parents are called to do. All of these things are. But what the Spirit of God convicted me of is those very things, none of them will last. None of those things will last. But do they know by what daddy's leaving behind for them that the one thing that matters beyond everything else is that it is imperative that they know God. Yes, I want them to remember daddy for being the loving father that I try to, and to try to be to them. But ultimately, when I leave this world, I don't care if they remember me or not, but what I want them to remember is that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to give them eternal life. 
And this is the knowledge that I want them to have. But you know, Peter shared what many times that I fail to share as a dad. And we see what Peter shared is he, he encouraged these new believers. He, he, he shared with them that the divine power through knowing Jesus is all that we need for life and godliness. He told them that, look, nothing else matters. That the spirit of God and his divine nature is what will give us everything that we will need for life and everything that we will need to live a life of godliness. So the more that the church knows him, the more that your children know him, the more that I know him, the more that you know him, the better off we are. The better off we are. You notice Peter didn't say, Peter didn't say that, you know what, all they need is to be the best athlete. All they need is to have the nicest car that I'm gonna leave behind for them. All they need is the best education. All they need is the biggest house. But what Peter knew and what Peter shared with conviction is that knowing God is all they need to know for them to achieve who God has called them to be. So moms and dads, who you're trying to shape your child into becoming, is that their calling that God has for them or is that our calling that we have for them? And parents, what we are to do is we are surrender that to the spirit of God, to the spirit of God to lead us in leading them helping them understand that the knowledge of God is the one thing that will last. And so now to take it on a, another level of conviction, as your pastor today, I ask the Lord to examine my heart. I ask the Lord to examine my heart because if God were to call me home, what would you, Chestnut Mountain Church, say that you remembered about me? Would it be that he was a pastor who did life with us? He was a pastor who walked through tough times with us. He was a pastor who walked through the death in our family. He was a pastor who walked through divorce with us. And don't, don't hear, me, hear me when I say this, we're not gonna stop doing all these things. That's what God has called us to do. But what is most important that I would want you to say about me is the importance of standing on the truth of God's word and the knowledge of knowing him through his word. And I would love for you to be able to answer that question and say, you know what? My pastor loved me enough to tell me the truth. And it's not Brian's truth, it's not Brian's opinion. The truth it is, is it's the opinion, or not the opinion, but the facts of God's word. So you say you're talking about the knowledge of God, this is how we achieve the knowledge of God. Is we grow in our knowledge of God by reading and being in his living word that he wants us to be in. But you know, in chapter one, Peter talks a lot about humility. And man, I tell you, that's what was so encouraging to me about Peter is 
that in sharing truth and standing on the foundation of God's word, Peter didn't care if the whole world turned against him as long as they turned to the Lord. You will not see a better example of humility than that. And so church, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for our team that that is our heart, that we're gonna share truth whether you like it or not. Because if you don't like us for sharing the truth of God, that really doesn't matter as long as it turns you back to the Lord. But what Peter knows, and the reason that Peter is so, so convicted by this is because as he understands and he knows that if we know the word of God, that if we grow in our knowledge of God, that as a believer, this is how we grow. It is the only way we grow. We mentioned this several weeks back, that if there's no word, there is no growth. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit leading us through God's living word that we will grow as a believer. But what Peter does next is what, I, what I'm gonna say I love, but I don't really love because it is full of conviction. But in verses five through eight, Peter just lays it out. And he shows us exactly what a model of growth looks like. He puts it out as about as plain as simple as he can put it. And so I want you to look. Here is kind of the, the growth development of a believer who is in the word of God and growing in their knowledge of him. Starting in verse five, Peter says this, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Pay attention to verse eight. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter is very, very clear here. He lays it out what the model of growth looks like. And so I want you to look, um, I don't know which side I'm supposed to point to, I don't, which side, point down? Oh, no, they told me it's on a screen. So it's on a screen. So that's what they said. Anyway, praise God. We'll point up here. If it's not, just look to the other side of the TV. It's fine. But if you will look, the very first thing that Peter talks about here, in verse five, about midway down, he talks about that our faith will supply everything. Faith is where it all begins. And so you think, okay, in my relationship with Christ, in my relationship with God, when, when that relationship begins is when I figure out how to live this life. 
When I can conquer this sin or when I can stop doing that or I can stop doing this, that is wrong because the foundation of our knowledge of God has nothing to do with how good you are, has nothing to do with if you've got it all together, but your foundation of knowing God is found on our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross at Calvary. Our faith is our foundation and that foundation is him. It's not us. Praise God that it's not us. But in that faith, in trusting him, we will begin to see a transformation in us as believers as we grow. And the first thing that we're gonna see is we're gonna see a change, and, it, and Peter refers to it as moral excellence. If you see moral excellence, this is because of the new nature. This is the spirit of God coming to live inside of us. That now we have new convictions we feel differently about sin. We feel differently when we are participating in sin. And we shared that just a couple of weeks ago. But moral excellence is because of this new nature taking us over. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we begin to see the change of moral excellence, this is the fruits of our knowledge. This is the fruits of our knowledge. And when we look at the definition of knowledge, it literally means to, pr to practical knowledge or discernment. Discernment, and discernment means being able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And growing in that discernment means that our moral excellence will continue to grow because we're growing in the knowledge of who God is and therefore we are learning to lean in and listen to the Spirit of God leading us, directing us, and guiding us. And next, when, we growing, when we're growing in our knowledge, there's gonna be an inner war that begins. The new nature, the old nature. And just to be completely transparent, that part gets exhausting. But the more we grow in that is what takes us to the next level, and that is perseverance. And that perseverance is what gives us the ability to keep fighting. This is what gives us the power to keep fighting. It's not that we figure it out, but it's that we begin to learn to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit who is speaking inside of us. That's how we keep fighting. That's how we keep battling. And then when we continue to grow in that perseverance, look what happens next. We're growing in our godliness. We are growing in our godliness, meaning that we are doing exactly what God wants and that's molding us into the image of of his son, we begin to look more like Christ. And then when we begin to look more like Christ, we grow in what's next, and that's our brotherly kindness. When you look at what brotherly kindness means, is it means that, that we have a love for other believers, that we have a love for our church family. And you say, well, Brian, shouldn't we all? Yeah, and if we wanna be honest, just, just there's people at your church you don't like. There is, it is what it is. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what? You are being molded into the image of his son where you learn to love each other right where you're at. And today across this country, instead of churches judging what other churches are doing, what we need to be together doing is united together in the midst of this chaos so that we are going together not to promote a church name, but to promote the only name that matters. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. That is what the church is doing today all across this country. 
And if you've not been doing that today, maybe you need to fall on your face and repent and say, God, I am sorry that I have driven division in your church. This disaster is part of the purification process. And so all this is doing is purifying us as the church. Because you see, what's awesome about this growth chart, if you would, is it doesn't stop at loving the church. But it takes us to the last word of where we are ultimately trying to get as a follower of Christ. And then that word is love. And you say, well, Brian, isn't that very similar to what you just shared? But when you look at what love means in this context, it's meaning that we love like Jesus did. That not only do we love our fellow believers, but this is how we love a lost world. This is how we remember that a lost world is watching us today on how we respond. And so in the eyes of this growth chart, if you would, all of these are fruits from a growing believer. All of these are fruits from a growing believer. And so here's the question this morning that I have for you, that for moms and dads, for, for kids, for grandparents, for aunts, for uncles, it's a very simple question. Are you growing? Are you growing? And you may be looking at the, the graphic that we just showed you. You may read what Peter has here in his word. And my question would be is, where are you at in that growth process? Where are you at in that growth chart, if you would? And I want you to hear me when I say this, I get it. Because just even this morning and studying, sitting in my living room, I looked at that growth chart and I saw days that, that man, there's days that I'm persevering great. There's days that I would like to look at it and say, you know what, today I'm living a little more godly than I did yesterday. But then there's also the days that I look and I say, you know what, I've made an absolute mess of lo loving other believers. I've made a mess of having a burden for lost souls today. And all of a sudden we feel like we are, we are growing in our faith, we're growing in our knowledge of God, but then all of a sudden we make mistakes, we fall flat on our face. But church, here's the most encouraging news of the day. Remember, it all started with our faith. And remember that faith has nothing to do with you. So no matter how far you fall down in this growth chart, no matter how far you fall down in this movement, you will never fall below your faith in Jesus Christ because he is the foundation, is he, and he is immovable. Wow. He never changes. Because according to God's word, we are sealed till the day of redemption. So you may say, Brian, so I don't have to have this all figured out. No, but if you are founded on your faith, foundation of your faith in Jesus Christ, you know who he is, you know the sacrifice and the price that he paid. And I don't know about you, but a man who loves me that much, I wanna know all there is to know about him. And I wanna know all there is to know how he can use me. So believers, no matter where you're at today, no matter how far you think you've fallen, rest in the promise that you will never fall below your foundation in him. You will never fall below your foundation in him. So maybe you don't see growth. Maybe you're looking at that 
that example and you're saying, you know what, I, I know that I've trusted Jesus as my savior. I know that my foundation is him, but, but Brian, I'm just not growing in my faith. I would just simply ask you the question, are you in the word? Are you in the word? Because if you're not, you're not growing. It's that simple. So church, there's a reason behind first and second Peter for us to read as a church family, because my desire for you is I want to see you grow. I wanna see you grow in your knowledge of God. I don't care if you remember me. I don't care if you like me, but what I want you to do is I want you to know him. I want you to know him. But you know, in the moment of that surrender, in the moment of your faith being placed in Jesus Christ, we talked about that divine nature that now comes in and lives in you. That divine nature in you has an appetite. And that divine nature in you, that appetite, it, it is wanting the God, word of God to be fed to it. Because that divine nature is what's gonna create the growth in us as believers. And it is hungry for the knowledge of God's word. So that divine nature is what is going to make us grow. So I, let me challenge you with this. If it's hungry, you better feed it. If it's hungry, you better feed it. And the reason that I love that challenge is because the promise from his word is we hear that it won't return void. So if you're in it, you're gonna grow. You're gonna grow. Think about a baby. Think about a newborn baby. Maybe that baby's two weeks old. Maybe it's six weeks old. Maybe it's two months old. And you as a mom or dad, you're noticing that that child is not growing the way that you think it, it should be growing. So what you do is as a parent, you contact the doctor, you contact the physician. And when you take that baby in for their appointment, I can promise you the very first thing that doctor is going to ask you is what are they eating? What are you feeding them? And in most cases, you're gonna walk away from that doctor's appointment. And the answer that the doctor will give you is their diet needed to change. Their diet needs to change. So maybe you're discouraged today. Maybe you look at that challenge that Peter's just laid out and maybe you feel defeated. You feel like you're not growing in your relationship with God. You feel like you're not growing in your faith. You feel like you're not being molded into the image of his son. Well, I wanna tell you, you need a change in your diet. You need a change in your diet because the problem is is we just feed the wrong nature. We're feeding the wrong appetite. And here's what is scary. Whatever appetite you feed, it will grow. Whatever appetite you feed, it will grow. So the question is, moms, dads, church family, are you feeding the sin nature? Are you feeding that fleshly nature? Because if you are, it's growing. Or are you feeding that divine nature, the spirit of God? Because if you are, that is growing as well. But here's where you have a choice to make. 
What appetite are you going to listen to? Because just as Peter has challenged us the entire time, is they're watching. A lost world is watching what appetite we're feeding. So which one will it be? Which one will it be? And that's exactly what Peter's talking about here in verse nine. Look at what he says in verse nine. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former life. What Peter is saying here, he said, if you're not growing, you've just simply lost sight. You've simply lost sight. And remember, this is what you've lost sight of. Jesus didn't save you to sit. Jesus saved you to grow. He didn't save you to end it. He saved you to start it. And we have to be in his word. We have to be growing in our knowledge of him in order to grow. And when he says that you are short-sighted, what we're short-sighted of is it means that we can't see the big picture. We forget where God is trying to take us. We forget that he's trying to mold us into the image of his son. And we forget that he's wanting us to get to a place where we love a lost world the very same way he does to the point where he sent his only son so that he could be reconciled back to them. But it's all part of the process, the sanctification and the growth which comes through the word of God. He wants us to love lost people. But you see, here's the thing. He also, in that love for lost people, he wants us to inform them of the Savior. He wants us to inform them of the Savior. I want you to go back to verse one. We'll start about midway through verse one. Peter says, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, you say, well, Brian, I hear that all the time, that he's God, that he's my Savior. You know, in our English language, if we were to ask the definition of Savior, it's just somebody that, that rescues us. But you gotta understand the context of who Peter is talking to. The word Savior, the definition of it, looked a lot different in their vocabulary. And here's the promise that we need to hear today in the midst of where we are at as a nation, where we're in the midst of as a world, is that Savior in their definition was much broader than what we think about. You see, Savior means here, the wise official, the deliverer, the physician, the victorious general, which is why Peter was able to say that the divine nature is all we need. So here's what I want you to hear today, church. It's not about taking the right medicines. It's not about quarantine. It's not about this or it's not about that. But we've got to get back to knowing who the Savior is. He is the, he is the wise official. He's our deliverer. He's our physician. And he is the victorious general. And today, church, we've got to get back to acknowledging him as a Savior of the world. And that is what God wants to do in the midst of this storm. 
He wants the world to turn back because our nation is in chaos. They're running to every grocery store in the world thinking that toilet paper is gonna make them happy, but it's not. They think that milk, that water, that, that bread is all the security that they need. But can I tell you as a family right now, in your living room, wherever you're at, what you hold in your hand in the presence of God is all you need to make it through this mess. That's what we as a church have got to rise up and declare is that he is all we need. He's our savior. But church, I love you enough to say that if you're building your life on anything other than the word of God, you're not growing. You're not growing. Moms and dads, think about the opportunity that is before you. As you turn on the news, you see that the, the news is saying, try this, try that. Let's do this, let's do that. Moms and dads, I would ask you to look right in the eyes of your children right now and say, kids, here's what you need to try. You need to try Jesus because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the foundation of who we are and who God has called us to be. And so as we wrap up this morning, my question is, is what appetite are we feeding? What appetite are we feeding? Because whatever appetite you're feeding is what you're gonna leave behind. Whatever appetite you're, you're feeding is what you're gonna leave behind. And so as we close out this morning, you think, well, man, I'm glad I'm not there because this is where he gives those awkward invitations and those awkward response times and today's no different. You still have an opportunity to respond today. And moms and dads, I don't know why I've got you so heavy on my heart today. Maybe it's because God beat me up all week and I felt like it's your turn. But what appetite does your child see you feeding? If I were to ask your child, what is your mom and dad leaving behind? Are you leaving behind the knowledge and the importance of knowing who God is? And so moms and dads, maybe in, even in this response time, we, we're gonna close out with another song. But maybe you simply as a family, you gather together right now and you just simply pray. Maybe you've gotta look at your kids right in the face and apologize and let them know that you acknowledge you've been feeding the wrong appetite. But just respond as God would have you respond this morning. Being in your home is no different. But what's beautiful of this is we always talk about the church being outside the four walls. I feel that God's stretching us. Do we truly believe that? Because just to be honest, the church has never been bigger today than it is right now. So let's press into that. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your presence this morning. God, here on this campus, God, here in every living room, every kitchen, every bedroom, Lord, I'm thankful for you. 
And so God, right now, I pray that dads, that moms, whoever's listening right now would respond to your voice, would respond to that divine nature that's working in them right now. And God, if there's someone that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that today, right now, in this moment, God, they're having a conversation with you and they are laying their life down for you. They're placing their faith on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so God, do what only you can do right now. In Jesus' name, we ask all of this. Amen.